what's going on, guys? Hopefully you all enjoyed your 4th of July. Got to be around family a little bit. Uh, we have just put up our newest episode of RTP Talking Ball on RTP Premium uh, on our website, runthepower.com. We just put up uh, Training Speed and Power. Uh, that's our newest episode in our series, Talking Ball. Uh, if you guys don't know yet about RTP Premium, it's on our website. You guys can sign up for RTP Premium. We've got six different series. We put out new episodes all the time, at least monthly. Uh, we've got Talking Ball and RTP Install, which are our two uh, biggest episodes or two biggest series. Uh, we update those monthly, like I said. Uh, we've also got uh, things over special teams. We've got a series over strength and conditioning. Uh, we've got a lot of really good stuff uh, on our website, and that's all. All can be found at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our, free show, uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by JTO Sullivan's The RPO Framework, A Roadmap to Success. Uh, which is a course that he has created over RPOs. J.T. O'Sullivan uh, is a former NFL quarterback. He's been on a few of our podcasts that you guys have heard, and now he's got a course all over RPOs where he dives into it as a coach for a quarterback and for the casual fan. Understanding the core components of RPO and the way RPOs are constructed, taught, and executed is a great way to jump and accelerate your football IQ. In the RPO framework, A Roadmap to Success, he'll walk you step-by-step through the entire process of understanding, executing, teaching, building, and appreciating RPOs. Great RPOs are made and understood from a macro and micro perspective. In this course, he will show you a proven step-by-step process that can take your RPO understanding to the next level. To get this course for yourself, type in rtpschool.com, and then when you pull it up to order, Type in the coupon code RTP15 for a 15% discount. Again, that's rtpschool.com. Use the code RTP15 for a 15% discount on his RPO course. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Wes Phillips. Coach Phillips is the tight ends coach for the Los Angeles Rams in the NFL. Listen as we talk with Coach Phillips about the cornerstone of the Rams offense with Sean McVay, wide zone. We also talk about their keepers and nakeds off of wide zone, as well as some great play-action pass concepts and how they implement them in multiple compressed sets and with jet motion. Hope you guys enjoy. First, it's you know it's great to meet you guys. Um, I uh, I played at UTEP, so down in El Paso. I was a quarterback, and uh, uh, when I got done playing there, kind of 
you know, knew, knew I kind of wanted to be involved in, in the coaching aspect of it. Uh, didn't really have a lot of um, delusions about my ability as a, as a, you know, football player going to the next level. But I did kind of mess around and play a little bit of a kind of a minor league arena team for two seasons. Um, and then I went back to school, helped out, helped out to finish up school. So I was a student assistant there. And then, uh, uh, and then I went to West Texas A&M. I coached the quarterbacks there, Division II uh, in Canyon, Texas, and uh, coached the quarterbacks there for two seasons, actually with Lee Hayes as the offensive coordinator. Um, and we had some success there offensively, and then uh, uh, we were able to, both of us, move to Baylor. And uh, I coached the quarterbacks at Baylor uh, for a year. That was 2006. And then uh, after that, uh, uh, my dad got the head coaching job with the Cowboys, and so he hired me uh, to be quality control, uh, offensive quality control. So I was I was actually sitting uh, offensive quality control, sitting with the receiver uh, room for three years there. Uh, kind of got to where I felt like I had kind of absorbed a lot of that uh, information from the receiver room. And, uh, at the time we actually didn't have an assistant line coach, which most teams do. Uh, so I, I went and talked to our line coach and said, Hey, you know, I'm trying to, you know, grow and make a move. And, uh, uh, he said, Hey, you know, Jason Garrett at the time, he said, Hey, if he's okay with it, then, uh, you know, then let's do it. So, uh, I ended up becoming the assistant offensive line coach. I spent three years in the offensive line room, uh, and that's kind of the progression that took me to being a tight end coach. The tight end job came open. So I, I'd been six years in Dallas. Tight end job came open. Uh, I had worked with offensive line receivers. I had been a quarterback. So it was just kind of a natural fit uh, to jump into the tight ends. Started coaching the tight ends in Dallas. So I was there for a year. Uh, and then I moved on to the Washington Redskins, uh, where I coached the tight ends for five years. Uh, and now I'm going into my second year coaching the tight ends for the Rams. So we know a bunch of people that have been GA or quality control in college. What does a quality control job in, in the NFL look like? What are you guys working on? What, are you, what does that job description do? Because I really just don't know a lot about, other than offense coordinator, offensive line coach, tight ends coach as you are now, I understand that. But what does a quality control in the, in the NFL uh, what's that job description like? Uh, well, you know, you're doing all the input of the film breakdowns. So, you know, you're, you're inputting all the data so that we can run our cut-ups, run our reports, all that kind of stuff. You're um, generally helping with a position. You know, in my case, it was receivers. So out on the field, I was helping the receivers and, of course, running scout teams. A lot like a GA would do uh, at the college level. Um, uh, I think you know, I've been fortunate as a, as a position coach to be around some really good quality control guys, though, that, you know, from our staff, were well respected as far as ideas and game planning and that, that type of thing. So, um, you know, and, and Sean McVay, certainly that way to where he doesn't care where the idea comes from, if it's good, um, and, and we'll use it. So, so we've got a, a lot of sharp guys at every, every level on our staff, which is, has been, uh, it's been really nice being here in Los Angeles. So when, when you become a tight ends coach, and, and it's something that at the high school level we don't see as much, but, you know, you get there and, and you 
you bump you to tight ends. And in Dallas, you know, there's a guy like, you know, like Witten who is, um, you know, thought of as one of the best tight ends ever. Uh, and then, you, but you've also, I'm sure, got a lot of different rookies and, and different things. What's it like, you know, coaching a guy? I don't want to say what's it like. How do you, how do you go about coaching a guy that's been in the NFL so long, is thought of as as such a great player? Uh, is it is it just little tips and things that you're helping him with, and then with the rookies and the younger guys, you're giving them more of a a full scale thing? How does that work with with like you know? And I don't know how long he was in it by then, but probably seven eight year vet um, and you know an all pro working with him and then working with a kid that's 22 years old and just out of, out of college. Oh uh, yeah. It's quite, I mean, it's quite different. Um, you know, Jason is so passionate about the game and is uh, one of the interesting things he told me when I first got the job, Jason Witten was, Hey, listen, uh, don't, don't ever think that you're going to overload me with information. He's in, you can't, you can't tell me too much. He said, I've played enough now to where I can separate what is really important and what I don't think is quite as important, right? He said, just give it to me all. He wanted to know every, every single thing. He wanted to know why, what are the offensive linemen saying, right? What are these calls? What do they mean? What are they saying? Even if it had nothing to do pertaining to him, I mean, that was his – that was his territory. That was his livelihood. Here's, you know, this is where I'm going to be. I want to know what's going on around me, every detail. Um, so he, he's special in that way and partly why he's had the career he's had. Uh, but for younger guys, you know, I mean, you're talking, breaking it down to, you know, what, what do these things mean? What do these terms mean? What, you know, how, how, do we, how do we get in a stance sometimes? I mean, even at the pro level, uh, like you said, tight end play has, has changed a lot over the years. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of guys that really haven't been in a three-point stance a whole lot in their career. And, you know, just, just fixing them right from the beginning. Okay, get in your stance, all right? Put these, get your insteps in the ground. All the things that you would learn, you know, as an offensive lineman day one, you know, sometimes some of these tight ends that we get don't have that skill set yet. Hmm. And that's that's the interesting thing I think the most with me with tight ends is how much those guys have to know. Um, you know, minus the quarterback, I think on offense they need to know, especially with where tight ends are going, um, especially at the college level the past few years. I mean, they have to know how to be a receiver and all, all the routes and how to do it technically. And then they've got to know how to be a tight end, all the routes, all the run game, all the anything they've got to do there. And then uh, a lot of them have to go play the, you know, the 20 personnel fullback uh, position as well if a team doesn't have a true fullback that they, that they bump in. And so, I mean, you, you guys are putting – or coaches, we are putting so much on these kids uh, and these men in the NFL. Uh, how do you – how do you break it down through a practice um, roughly with where you guys are going, how much you're putting on them run game? How, how, do you, how do you balance that time out? I think that's a difficult thing, especially as we at our high school go to, we've been a 21 personnel. Now we've got the kids that we can be an 11 and move that guy all around. But, I mean, we thought we didn't have much time with the offensive line. We got no time with the tight end with all they have to know. How do you fit that in? How do you work that through the week? How do you get all of that in with them having to know the whole offense? 
Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of it's how you set up the, the installs, right? I mean, the progression of teaching and the installs is extremely important. And, and actually, um, as far as, you know, obviously this offseason, we weren't, we weren't able to get on the field. Um, but as far as a teaching progression, I think this was the best opportunity for us to teach the offense in a sequence that made sense uh, more than any other year. Because generally, uh, let's say you went through your first two days of your base install, your base offense, right? Okay. Uh, and the third day, well, now we want to, on the field, we want to work third downs or we want to work red zone on the fourth day. And you keep having to put in these other little segments, these specific segments, instead of just saying, okay, here's our first, you know, uh, even, even when we are on the field, we do limit uh, – so like day one, we're a wide zone base running right. team. Okay? So day one will be all wide zone. Um, and it will be keepers off of the wide zone. And it will be play action pass off of the wide zone um, and concepts like that. And then as, as we go, next day is tight zone. Next day is gap scheme. And it's all the uh, play action passes off the gap scheme. And you know, so we're trying to keep at least the same techniques day to day, you know, no matter what, uh, hey, we've got lots of wide zone concepts, but we can break it down to it's all singles, doubles, triples, and A's and B's and C's, and, you know, and we can teach those same techniques all day at least and spend all, all the time on that. And then the next day, move to a new set of techniques. Coach, you know, again, I think of the, the conundrum you always have with the tight end. So, you know, you, you draft a guy you know he's going to be a, d a dynamic or a dynamite receiver, you know, but you're like, well, maybe he's not going to be an, an every down guy. So my, my question is, you know, how do you kind of take that guy, play to his strengths so you can get him on the field, and then also at the same time, you know, hey, we have to develop you. I want you to be like a, a Jason Witten someday where, you know, you're the, the every down guy. How do you kind of play that balance of, right, let's play to his strengths, but then, then let's also be able to develop his weaknesses so we can make him an inline tight end and he can be proficient, you know, blocking the wide zone? Uh, yeah, that's a great question because it, it is tricky in the NFL because the body types have changed so much. Most people really aren't, uh, you know, you saw the kid commit maybe this year from uh, Notre Dame was the big true why, you know, the guy mm -hmm. that is big six foot five and he can run and he can kind of be an every down player as a tight end, uh, which is pretty rare these days. Uh, uh, but generally, you know, you kind of have these guys and, and that's what we look for. So we've got a guy named Gerald Everett, who is uh, an explosive receiver. He's explosive when he gets, gets the ball in his hands. Um, but what I found, I've had Jordan Reed, I've had uh, Vernon Davis, I've had all these guys that, you know, kind of everyone kind of really just had a narrative that they could not block. And what I've found with, with these types of players is that, uh, they're very competitive. They don't want to look bad. And if they actually learn how to do it to where they don't go out there and, you know, you're blocking bigger, stronger, longer men uh, most times at the tight end position. So, um, you know, learning the, the, the right techniques and, and understanding that, hey, I can actually do this and not get thrown around and ragdolled. And, and, you know, they've got a lot of pride. They're good football players. They don't want to look bad in, in any part of the game. They don't want to put that on tape. So 
as long as guys are willing, you know, you can teach them the techniques and you can, you can get them to improve in those areas dramatically. I mean, Jordan Reed, by the time, I mean, he was fitting his hands and, and, and a big thing with him was he was getting a lot of concussions because he's throwing his head into blocks and learning how to play with his hands changed his game completely in the run game. So um, those types of things. And then I think as a, as a play caller or a game planner, uh, I really believe here in, in Los Angeles, we do as good a job as anywhere I've, I've ever been as far as uh, understanding what is a hard block and what is a hard position for these tight ends. And maybe we're running a one back power just to use power because uh, I'm on the uh, run the power podcast here, but uh, maybe we are running a one back power and we've got a, you know, a head up six technique over the tight end. Well, maybe we just arc him and up to the linebacker or we have a nine technique. We just put him through and let, let our big guys block big guys, you know, uh, even in the wide zone game. We're running to the tight end. You know, generally we'll put the tight end through if it's a nine technique. We don't want to run a triple into a, into a tilted nine who's going to short neck us and, and, and cause disruption of the whole play. There we would run really more of a, a mid-zone scheme where the back is, you know, at the outside leg of the tackle. Let the tackle kick him out. We can go up to a better, better physical match up to the linebacker, and here we go. Um, so, you know, finding ways to, yes, you can still have those guys in and run the football, but you don't always have to, you, you don't always have to match them up against the most physical, freakish defensive end, you know, you can find. And you guys got a lot of them in the NFL, uh, a lot of those freaks out of defensive end. Now, is, is that something that you guys can, can roll on the fly with your wide zone? Uh, does it change anything for your tailbacks? Do you guys have to kill or check it or is that something that your your line and your tight end can can make that call when you've got that you know spike or that you know set down nine so basically we have a we have a wide zone a tight zone and a mid zone course for the back and if we are calling a wide zone that would be only like a true wide zone an eight nine hole for us okay um we would only call that to a three, but generally a four-man surface when I say to one side being whether we're two tight ends where we can work together, right, uh, against a backer force team where we can really come off and double team that Sam up to a safety or we've got a, someone in the backfield coming through to help with the tight end. In some way, we're giving him some relief, uh, you know, at the point of attack, which, I mean, if you're wide zone, you're saying, hey, we're going to press this thing outside. And then you, and then you look on the page – and the hardest possible block is that guy right at the point of attack. You need to think to yourself, how can we, how can we alleviate some of this, some of this pressure? Okay, we put another tight end there. Okay, we put a fullback in the backfield to come help him. Okay, we put him through now. Uh, so can we go from a wide zone to a mid zone uh, within the play? We actually can. Uh, so we would, we would put, say we called 16 now. Okay, now we're saying it's a mid zone course. So the tight end is going to go through, going to go through, going to go through. Okay, now he gets a head up six technique and the safety's down in rotation. I'm going to arc for the safety or if we're pushing the scheme, if we're not, I arc up to the Sam, right? Okay, now I've got a head up six technique and, the, and there's no safety rotation. So the person that we are tripling to is the backer inside of that six technique. Now we'll activate that triple, even though that's a mid-zone course. Now we call the triple. Now we're getting, 
what we would call a bounce read out there. Okay. And, and generally that would only happen in some sort of cover two, some sort of shell look where we would have an actual head up player and the person we're in combination right. to head up to inside of your tight end there. So uh, we do make some calls on the move. You did ask if it were kills or cans. We call them cans, but we, we do can just about, just about every run. Um, we're not a big call and run it uh, team and, and run or pass. And that's because Sean's just of the belief. I mean, he's, he's a beautiful mind with, uh, with ball. And uh, he's just of the belief he, he doesn't want to, what he would consider in his mind, waste a play ever. Um, so a lot of our criteria for runs will be uh, G-bubble pressure. So we got to have the G-bubble. We don't want to run it into pressure to the play. Right. Um, and and whatever we have, you know, can the other way, whether it's run to run, run to pass, you know, pass to pass, whatever it may be. But we have these criteria that kind of the quarterbacks learn over time uh, to really kind of lock down on. And, and our centers understand that a center can our center, Austin Blythe, can walk up immediately and say, hey, can it, you know, look at Jared and say, hey, can it. Right. Um, so but. Understanding some of those indicators, how you know the quarterback's got to understand what does pressure mean? What what is a look that is a pressure look? And that's why we use some some uh, change of strength motions, tight end motions. We use some different things to try to undress some of those looks to make it easier. Coach, when yeah. you're, I was just gonna say with, with the the wide zone that I know you. So you know, say you can it does does the responsibility come on you guys? I mean, knowing you're probably gonna run wide zone you know, two or three man surface or a four man surface almost every time, you know, how much is put on the tight end or is it, you know, the quarterback, is he making the initial call? Like you're talking about your triple, does the tight end kind of start it and then it cascades down or is it the center that kind of makes the call and he knows what he's doing from that? Yeah, generally the center will always, will always point uh, whoever, you know, whoever, you know, you, you call it the mic point always, but it's it's whoever that may be right it's right. not always mike they say the mic point but uh it's not the mic a lot of times but so he'll point he'll point you know who he's working to uh and and we'll we'll all adjust accordingly from there um the tight ends a lot of times you know sometimes i i always tell the tight ends you're responsible for the call right and and and, and i believe that across the offensive line as well every every man's responsible for the call meaning Meaning, uh, you know, a lot of times we get rookie tackles or something, don't know what they're doing, you know, in a, in a uh, training camp or off-season program, you know, and, and they just make calls and these tight ends just blindly follow whatever these guys do. You know, look at the look, open your eyes, you know, let's, let's get our eyes up. Let's get our eyes up, not down in the ground, and uh, see what's happening out there and learn some ball, you know. And, and, and once these guys learn it and they, and they start to – they start to understand how to how to recognize uh, pressures, how to recognize, you know, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Both guys can't play this gap, so someone's going to be spiking. You know, all those types of indicators, coverage indicators. How do I know if it's man coverage or zone coverage? How can that help me before before play? A lot of our passes are man zone type. We, you know, Sean's waiting for those man beaters. You know, waiting. He's waiting. We call a play. It's a zone beater. Uh, uh, nope. It's still zone. Okay, stick with it. We're good. We're good. We're good. And then finally, all right, here we go. Now they're playing man. 
we've got some sort of rubs or crossers or you know deep crossers whatever it may be to attack man coverage and that's that's kind of what we're waiting for you know our our philosophy as an offense really is first second down on on what we call like base down so first and 10 or second and one to six uh you know we're really a, a run run the football uh play action pass uh keepers or nakeds whatever you call them and uh and maybe so, maybe some screens mixed in you know we're not trying to be a big drop back uh, passing team uh, on first second down you know when you get into the second seven plus and the third downs and the red zone your quarterback in the nfl is going to have a hard enough time dropping back when they when they generally know you're dropping back right and making the reads uh, seeing the pressures seeing when you're hot and and delivering the football you know that's a lot to do and we try not to we try not to put that on the quarterback too many times until it's necessary well, Coach, you talk about some of those boots. Uh, one of the big things that I watch in, in college and a lot of NFL games, I'm not sure if you guys run it, I'm sure you do, but is that boot and now it's like, the, it's like the tight end delay flat. So you guys have already got a flat, but then your, your tight end's kind of staying in a little bit longer than he would on a normal slam flat, and then he's coming behind the flat player. Um, if you guys run that, what are some of your coaching points to that kid? It's been something – um, that's been difficult for us. We like it. We like Kevin. It's kind of our, our fourth option, but it seems like that guy's always open. What are your coaching points for, for the timing of, of that, you know, delayed flat route? Yeah, well, so we've, we've had some great hits uh, on that, what we would call late down flat. Um, we, we've had some really big hits in Washington. When I was with Sean in Washington and, and, and here in LA last year, we had, we had, I mean, some 40 yard gains from the, laid down flat, you know, um, and, and really all it is, is, is distribution of the field, right? Um, we, we kind of look at our keepers uh, as more explosive uh, plays than like, so if, if you were just uh, going to boot back to a tight end, generally, most teams would kind of slam down real fast and then get out and then you get your head around and if he's open, you hit him, right? And you get four or five yards, we move on to second and five and we're in good shape. For us, we're trying to get out on the edge and, and everything we're selling is off the wide zone. So um, not only do I tell the tight ends, uh, I don't tell them to fake like you're cutting off on the backside. I tell them to cut off on the backside exactly as you would on a wide zone. Okay, so we have kind of a different technique where a lot of times we're chopping hands down. We wanna make it look exactly the same. Um, now that, that is a down flat with a possible hot. I mean, we could have a whole clinic on how we would do the keepers, but, uh, that's a down flat with a possible hot. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going back to a tight end. No one else is over there, you know, besides the outside receiver. Okay. He's got a down flat. He's going to sell it all the way unless he gets any kind of rush outside of his alignment. So any kind of nine technique or, or, uh, pressure outside. You know, hopefully we're not keeping back into pressure. That's another criteria. We don't want to, we want to assess the edge and not keep back into a pressure. But uh, so that's a down flat with a possible hot. He gets someone or he has any doubt that someone's coming outside. He puts his foot in the ground. Boom. He's giving you a hot answer. Okay. Um, now, if, if we have uh, someone coming from the opposite side, what we call a slide underneath the center and slipping out to the flat mm -hmm. or if you have two players adjacent maybe where they're both 
running down flats. One would be the down flat hot and the other would be the late down flat. And we want to sell that late down flat all the way in what we say is until the defense reacts, until the defense reacts to the keeper. And essentially, when we get out on the edge, I mean, if you look at these, if you say you had a slide and a late down flat and we've got a low cross and we've got something on the outside, really what you have is just your three-level throws that you would run and play action. You're just on the move. The quarterback's outside the pocket and he's got – He's got a low option, he's got the low cross, he's got the higher option, and then he's got that late down flat kind of leaking out at whatever little angle, whatever little tempo, that tempo changes. You know, his, his, he's got to have his eyes on a swivel and just kind of feel where everyone's at and find that soft spot. And you've got your quarterback attacking with the ball up. You know, that's, that's a big coaching point for us. We get out on the edge, the quarterback's got to start working downhill with the ball up, that's given the defense a threat that he could throw it at any time. And if you keep pressing it and they match them all, they generally can't match them all, but if they match them all, then the quarterback's going to be able to run. So uh, we've, we've made a lot of hay on, on those, those concepts and uh, particularly that late down flat. And uh, a lot of times it's open and, and we're throwing it to other people. And I wish he would have just held on to it a little more. Coach, I, I agree, man. You guys run the, the nakeds as well as anybody. And I know we've had the chance to, to study a lot of your film. I know when I was with Coach Harper at Broken Arrow, we'd always kind of joke and quip like, man, we, we should run more nakeds. We need to run more nakeds. Just, you know, high percentage and, and they look really good. Um, the other one I like that you guys run too, and, and again, I want to get your, your coaching point kind of on the tight ends, where you run the one where he leaks and runs the wheel opposite of it. So I know you guys are faking zone to the left, let's say, and the quarterback's rolling back right, and it becomes that throwback, and the tight end kind of just sneaks through trash and then runs down the, the sideline. Obviously, you don't have to give away all the, the secrets of it, but, I mean, I think it's, I think it's deadly. I know you guys you know, hit a lot of big plays on it. It seems like it's one of Coach McVay's favorite kind of shot plays. It, it, it is a great uh, shot play, and, you know, obviously man coverage you like, you know, we call it a leak. Um, uh, man coverage, you like it, but, uh, but some of these three deep teams, these three carry teams, kind of the Seattle, the Seattle's changed a little bit from what they've done, but kind of the, we're going to kind of lock the outside players and play a zone match between our four underneath players. You know, those, those can be great defenses. If you know that, so you're leaking a guy through this way, right? And you're leaking him through and you're going to set up and come back to him. But we got to make sure that we know before we call that play that this corner here, when we run this guy, is going to tie down. He's going to stay tied down. He's not going to fall off, and, and we have a dead play. So um, that would be, you know, the thing about those things, too, is that leak is really just a keeper, but we have the leak as an option. So if for whatever reason Jared comes out of the fake and he's got a little something that he's got to really sprint around and get himself out there, he may, he'll probably never get back to the league. You know, he's just going to continue and read it as a normal keeper. We'll still have a some sort of cross. We'll still, you know, have some things in his vision. Uh, but if he does get a chance off 10-step ten 10-step ten action, you know, faking left and, and, and booting back right to set up and get his eyes back, you know, obviously we're looking for the, the, the big play there. But really important is when you call it. You know, if you got a corner who's going who's gonna to just let someone, some, someone go back there and going to be sitting there waiting for you, you're going to be in trouble. 
Coach, I, I would say probably the other thing the offense is known as or, or known for, at least with us thinking of it, is a lot of your compressed sets that you guys have and and bunch and compress with the receivers. Uh, my, you know, that's actually my, I told my OC, I was talking to you, and he said, make sure and ask him this. Just kind of in general, um, what are your blocking rules for your receivers with some of your wide zone or some of your gap scheme stuff? And obviously, it, I know it changes every single play, but in general, now we're compressed and now safeties and corners are so much closer. And it's such a, you know, I think maybe when they're out at the numbers, it's a little bit easier to tell who they're going to. What are some of those coaching points or what are some of those rules that you give the receivers uh, that you guys give receivers in those bunch or those compressed sets? Well, I, I think I think number one is, you know, having variation, you know, as to who they block helps helps them. Um, yeah, we've got we've got one of the smartest, maybe the smartest wide receiver room ever. I mean, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and, and when we had Brandon Cooks and all these guys are extremely sharp as far as understanding assignments and rules. And a lot of our stuff is, you know, like a lot of colleges is code worded or code numbered. Um, and they just have to understand, okay, this code word means, all right, I'm the off the ball guy. I, I start off in fly motion and I'm the on the ball guy. So I'm sifting on the backside. Um, generally on the wide zone, if you're in a condensed split as a receiver, even if there's a tight end there, and we're running away from the tight end, and you're in a tight split as a receiver, you're going to come down too, and we're going to just sift really, you know, tight end would be C-gap through, we would term it, and, and the receiver would really be D-gap through. Um, so on the backside, if you're condensed, you know, but we have other plays if we're running uh, condensed split uh, to the open edge, you know, um, our mid zone, right, where we're where we're thinking we're going to, to an open edge, get more of a kick out from the tackle and run up inside. And we're actually going to run to the bubble. So we're going to chip single uh, with the play side guard in the center where the guard is not going to be helping the tackle at all. We're not running a double. You know, he's on his own out there. We're going to help with that reach on the, on the nose for the center mm -hmm. and then get up to the second level. So the back nose, generally, he's running inside the kick out of the tackle and then locating how that, how that uh, play side guard is hitting that second level linebacker. Um, but to alleviate some of that, some of that pressure on the tackle, what, what they started doing a couple of years ago here is, uh, you know, we'll flinch, we'll flinch with the uh, receiver to the play side. So he'll flinch the defensive end. He'll get it, you know, his outside foot up so that he can easily step with his inside foot, give him a little flinch. And we run, crack schemes where he actually is blocking that guy. And we run times where he's in a, in a condensed split and he's on the backside and he's sifting that. And we will call sift for a receiver. You know, a tight end on the backside always knows he's part of the core. But if it is a receiver, we'll call sift or sometimes it's learned by play. But, you know, trying to give those guys a variation and a number of different different ways uh, and, and the right techniques. You know, uh, some of our crack scheme plays, our receivers have done uh, – an amazing job of, you know, I think really the best I've ever seen as far as wide receivers, you know, uh, doing the job against defensive ends and understanding the technique and, and that it's not a kill shot. And that if we get our hands on the guys with length and kind of block the back pad and we're okay with a little penetration, you know, those crack schemes, we're not going to run unless we get a bubble because we don't, we don't ever want, we want the guard to be able to go through on the play side. We don't want the guard to ever have to pull 
because we're saying that penetration is okay. The tackle will, will escape it. The guard will get picked every time. So, you know, uh, did I, did I really explain like, what are their rules? There's so many different schemes. Right. Right. Where the, but, but in general, they understand this. If I'm play side and it's a push scheme. Okay. I'm leaving whoever's down, whoever's down, you know, maybe we're, we're targeting if it's rotation, if it's, if it's a shell, we're keeping it, you know, to the backers in the box, but this is a push scheme concept. They understand that anyone down there is for the line. So they're going to be escaping, avoiding right on the play side. And if it's not a push scheme, then, then they'll be responsible for that safety rotation. You mentioned, you know, helping the tackles in the run game. I think the other thing, especially with your position, tight ends, that I've really enjoyed watching, I know the past two or three years has been, I believe what everyone's kind of calling a, a nudge uh, instead of chip protection, they call it that nudge protection with the tight end, you know, sometimes double wing or sometimes one wing uh, and, and tight ends are nudging ends before they go out in their route. Uh, my question with that, because it seems to help tackle so much, is that something that you guys work, you know, an individual? Is that something that it's a drill that you guys can work for that nudge protection? Is it just something that, you know, you get a few coaching points and then get out to your route? How are you coaching those guys up on that? Because it, it could be really beneficial, but I know like with chip protection with our tailbacks, that's been, you know, kind of a pain in the butt to ever, ever get in. Well, yeah, because the tackles don't want it. When you're, right. when you're coming from the backfield, they don't want that, you mm -hmm. know? So we, we really don't do it from the backfield um, because, you know, those guys may take the perfect set and they, you know, the perfect set and then someone bumps the guy and they shoot across their face and they lose the block. You know what I mean? And so our guys have always uh, said they don't, they don't want any kind of nudge or chip. Um, so we have simple terms, you know, bang, bang tells those tackles that both sides are getting a bang, you know. Uh, from a player, whether it's a receiver or a tight end. And, and then, you know, we're getting out on a route. Generally, it's bang into the flat, but we have certain other concepts where we bang and run an actual kind of pivot route or something underneath a big, a big in cut. Uh, uh, so we get a nice high-low on a hook player, you know, something like that. But, but, and then we have terms like uh, rib and lick. So rib is telling the right tackle, you're getting the – the chip or the nudge and lick would be the left side. Okay. So, so we want them to know, we want them to know that it's there. And once they know it's there, uh, we have to execute it. We have to help them out and, and make right. sure we hit those guys. Um, our rule would always be the widest rusher. Okay. So obviously if you're getting some sort of pressure outside a defensive end, that end's going to be gone. And you, we want, we want to, you know, rib or lick or bang the outside the widest rusher. The good thing, uh, a couple years ago, I started teaching. So we're, we're a, in pass protection, which is one thing we have to do, you know, particularly play action passes. And um, we're a jump set team as tight ends, really as offensive linemen as well. We're, we're going to uh, jump set. We're going to try to get hands on quickly. We're going to try to get our feet up into the block. We're trying to engage quickly. Uh, and you know, by the time we've engaged at the line of scrimmage and fought, fought our tails off, then, you know, hopefully the quarterbacks, you know, kind of had a chance to go through his reads. So how I've been teaching for the last couple of years 
these nudge blocks is in practice is I tell them this is your opportunity to get more reps at pass pro. So we, we work on jump setting in practice. Anytime we get those nudge bang opportunities, we're going out there, we're, we're trying to get near hand on those guys, ready to refit, replace, pull the outside hand. We're trying to work all those techniques and then go ahead and get on your route. But it's just a way for us to sneak some more real pass pro reps in. Um, and, and it really is what we want anyways. We want to play with length. We want, to, we want to get hands out and on those guys, stop their momentum, and then we get to our route, and there's no way that guy can recover and, and hit our quarterback. Um, my question was going to be about then, you know, you, you mentioned you guys run your slide, right? Yes. Is that something that you guys will install that, that naked? You know, do you guys kind of install it, you know, route by route? Because I know I've seen, you know, Cup runs it. You know, Woods runs it. You have all your receivers that actually will run, you know, that slide from the compressed sets, like you said. Is that something when you guys install the whole concept, like, hey, we're going to teach, you know, three personnel groups or we're going to teach four or five guys how to do this? Obviously, your tight end, but then also some of your slot dudes, too. Yeah, so we'll be in a full install meeting, and it's really, you know, it's like Sean McVay going through the, the, the best keeper clinic you ever heard, you know, starting off. <laughs> Starting off at two by two, okay, here's a keeper, uh, right, without any slide or anything, here's the basic rules, you know, if we're keeping back to you, you got to run back, and you got a down flat with a possible hop, if, you know, if you're away, you know, to the fake side, and going back, you, you've got a low cross, and what we call a far corner, okay, now, now we've added a slide element, we're in some sort of condensed formation, now we've got a slide, so what does it tell the down flat runner. Well, now it tells him he's a late down flat because he doesn't have to be the hot, right? And so now we've got a slide. And what does that tell that remaining receiver over there now that we've got a slide? Well, we don't have a low cross runner anymore, so you got to be the low cross runner. And now we don't have a far corner, right? Um, so just, you know, kind of installing from a progression. Okay, now we're in our three-by-one keepers, you know. Okay, now we're in our nakeds where we're going back to an open edge, you know. Um, whether we have a slide or no slide, um, which we don't do a whole lot of, but, but we will mix in at times. You know, some, sometimes those are the best. Uh, you, if you get ends to, defensive ends to an open edge that will close flat hard when the tackle goes down, you know, you can, you can pull off some of those nakeds as well. So, but, but just the teaching progression of here it is from the start. Here's the rules, two by two. Okay, what does this mean when we have a slide? And what – you know, the tight ends know, as soon as I hear slide, you know, I know, okay, I'm not the hot. You always got to be, yeah, always got to be aware if you're the hot guy, right? You don't want to screw up uh, not, not, not running the hot. So um, that progression just, just from day one, just real simple. We go through it every year. You know, we go through every, every, we go through really everything every year. And I think, I think maybe some people, maybe at, at a high school would be surprised that NFL players, you know, we, we go from the base install. These guys are just like your guys. They go, they, they're away for the summer. They come back. They forget half of the stuff that they used to know, you know, uh, in general, right? Maybe not the Jason Widdens of the world, you know, right. in for weeks before camp starts. But, um, but you know, we start from day one and, and install and, and language and, uh, you know, learn the alphabet. Learn what learn what we do, and uh, from day one on, and and try to try to really uh, be be good about our teaching progression and what we want to get taught. We're we're not 
we're not trying to get our whole offense in either through a training camp. We're trying to get our, our base offense in. We're trying to get really good at, at what we are uh, expecting to be, you know, in run game, pass game, whatever that may be. And, and we have this, you know, this kind of hold list of concepts, run and pass, that are really more uh, game plan specific against certain defenses. Hey, we only like this run against, you know, three, four type scheme, backer force teams. We only like this pass versus these types of coverages that, you know, only certain teams might throw in there. We're not trying to, you know, be in a hurry to install. We want to take our time. Uh, we have tons of formations. Uh, we're more of a formation team than trying to uh, tag personnels to get guys switched around. So our guys have to have a really good understanding of a lot of different formations. But uh, but we try not to put too many of them in a game plan at one time, right? we got to be aware of, of what they can handle, even though our guys have been really sharp. Well, Coach, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious, too, with, you know, putting in what, you know, you're, like you said, your base runs, which you guys are going to be the best at, that being wide zone. Uh, and everyone says, you know, the, all the old NFL, you know, the Broncos, everybody's always said, um, you know, if you're going to go wide zone, it's kind of got to be your play. You've got to get, you know, a thousand reps at it every year. Um, how are you guys as tight ends working with the offensive line with some of those double teams? I mean, are you guys going over, hey, we're going to do sessions with the O-line and, and we're going to work our outside zone doubles? Is it something that more you just take your tight ends and, and you guys, you know, you make a rookie pretend like he's the tackle and you guys work your double teams? How are you working that with your guys, you know, to kind of use up your time wisely in practice? Because I know – I think everyone thinks the NFL gets all the time they want, but I know there's a lot of rules with when you guys can be in pads, when you can be on the field, when you've got to let them go. Uh, so, you know, your guys' time is actually pretty short uh, as well. Uh, yeah, I think I think some people would be surprised to learn that, you know, my individual time is fast and furious, man. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're lucky to get eight minutes, you know, to, to just – and we're talking, we've got to put, a, you know, we've, we've installed a whole set of wide zone or gap scheme or whatever it may be. And you've got this whole set of techniques to cover uh, before you're about to start practicing with the other, you know, the other side of the ball. Um, but I will say this, we do go work with uh, the tackles often, uh, at least once a week, like even during season, at least once a week where we where we get down there and, and work some of those combinations. Sometimes, um, like I said, if we're putting a tight end through and we're not going to be in a lot of tight, those types of combinations, maybe we don't work that. But we certainly will be in some uh, – uh, we run duo a lot, which is the no, no puller power type play, right, gap scheme. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll run that from two tight end sets. So we'll get base defense looks. We'll have – what we call trams, you know, trade of the mic. Um, so anytime we can work with other guys, uh, you know, even though I don't get a lot of individual, I'm all for it. Anytime that the quarterback can throw to the tight end instead of me throwing through to the tight end, I'm all for that. You, you know, um, actually working together with the guys they're going to, they're going to be doing it with. Uh, I think, you know, don't, I, I try not to be too like, Hey, I didn't get any individual time. Well, you know, the, the benefits of them actually getting to get down there with the linemen, I think, outweigh, you know, those couple of minutes I could have spent working on a specific technique. But, 
But yeah, hopefully before we go with the tackles, I've been able to take at least a couple minutes to uh, just review the footwork of the blocks we're about to hit again. You know, footwork, hand placement, targets, all those sorts of things. Now, when you guys install the get wide zone as an offense, um, is that something that you're trying to get a lot of reps in team? Um, I, I don't know if you guys have an inside run uh, part of your – are you guys allowed to do, you know, allowed to do wide zone and inside run? Um, do you guys have a half line? How are you guys getting that rep to bunch? Um, you know, probably obviously before the season because when you guys are in the season, I'm sure you're, you're not in pads very often. Um, yeah, so for us – I've been a part of a lot of different things. So, you know, when I was with Bill Callahan, it was he had the run pod. You know, that was just like the the, the core man, seven on set. You know, just up front, and it was no, 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 baby, go on, go on out of here. Sorry, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> He's ready to play. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, no worries. Yeah, you're talking. So with Callahan, you guys had oh, yeah, pods, yeah. which were like seven yeah, on seven. So, you I mean, said, and it was it was as rapid fire as you could get. Like it was, I mean, it was like the third QB and the third run. Like no one even cared about the running back or the quarterback. It was he was actually signaling the plays, or or his assistant would signal the plays. So. He'd say, okay, you know, duo and tell him which way. So the offensive line, the quarterback, the receiver, the running back are all looking at him. He'd get it done as fast as he could and say, on one. Okay, and here we go. Snap. The next group's in there as fast as possible, you know, and he'd give them the next signal. Okay, wide zone this way. Okay, on the quick, you know, here we go. And we got great work from that. Now, for us, as many different uh, schemes as we have, and as much as we feel that the receivers are a really important part of the run game too and the fits. And also, I think, uh, you know, for the back, uh, to have a full picture, we, we really believe that team run is the way to go. Um, and so we're, we're more apt to practice our runs in a full team setting where we're practicing against a full defense. And I, I, I really believe that, you know, if you're, if you're able to do it, the, the back gets a clear picture of, okay, here's the safety fitting down. Okay, here's the crack. Here's the push crack on the play side, like where he fits, where I'm going to cut off of that block, you know. Um, uh, I've, I've especially hated inside run periods where they use their two safeties in there, you know, where you sit there and there's a, there's a guy yeah. open in the gap that it's, you know, and yeah, that's what the defense made for, right? We're going to get it to cut back all the way back to the safety fill in the backside C gap or whatever it may be. Um, but we also would have had a guy trying to dig that guy out. So, you know, or we have a guy on the play side that's going to insert for that safety and you're sitting there, you can tell me you're playing quarters all you want. Those guys are playing at seven yards and coming straight downhill. That's I mean, right. come on guys, like, like this, this is not real football here. That's exactly right. Well, well you guys, you mentioned, you, uh, you know, all the run game you guys have, and I don't know, you know, how much each NFL team carries, but I know, um, I believe Cromer, uh, you know, I watched him a lot when he was at Buffalo. Uh, obviously, we're we're heavy gap scheme, run the power, and and so um, at Buffalo, he was a heavy heavy gap scheme, and and you know, 
center counters. You know, he was pulling the center on counter, and they had obviously a lot of quarterback runs that they had with the personnel. Um, and so I'm assuming, you know, a lot of that carries over, but now you guys are heavy wide zone, but you've got the ability to go to all of these other plays, like I'm sure a lot of the NFL does. But um, it, it's been really interesting for me to watch, you know, both of those systems now with wide zone when I was watching him at Buffalo they were gap scheme and it's been it's really cool to see a team that can run so many different plays and and have all the different options depending on what personnel they have that that week or that year um, and what defense what the defense has given yeah and absolutely and and you know just for us I mean just as far as how we feel about the wide zone you know the thing that I like about it, if you do commit to it, is that uh, your second level players, your guys, uh, your linebackers, your safety rotations, whatever it may be, you know, they, they kind of have this much time to make a decision. Am I running for this thing? Am I going, am I running, you know, sideline to sideline to go chase this down? Or is it going to be all of a sudden now it's a keeper or it's a play action pass? and you've gotten players displaced. And within, you know, Sean, since he's been here, has kind of taken it to another level with Chrome. Um, that's why you see a lot of fly motions and those sort of things in our offense, where not only do we want to run to the look that we want, okay, this plays a wide zone, we want a G-bubble pressure play. Okay, great. But now we're not only running to that G-bubble, but we're – We've got a fly motion, and so every guy on that second level, right before the play happens, now his gap changes to next available gap. You know, as long as you're talking a zone defense. If it's man, they're going to be one gap defense playing downhill. Right. But, but we're, we're always trying to cause conflict uh, to people's gap responsibilities. So instead of just lining up and running the play, Sean wants the backers to have to be thinking, right? And it makes sense. And sometimes, you know, now you're talking, okay, we get a fly motion one way, and then after the snap, the tight end sifts back across the other way. So now, okay, now I got the next gap over. Oh, shoot, now the tight end sifted back. Now I'm back to my original gap. Those types of things uh, can, can definitely cause some consternation from the defense and kind of give you – sometimes give you some angles, uh, you know, that you may not otherwise have if you just line up and run the play. Coach, are you guys kind of, you know, graduating to, you know, being in the gun? You know, obviously there's a lot of teams. There's kind of the biggest bugaboo. We're not going to run much wide zone from the gun, knowing that, you know, the aim points and the hit points for the back are a little bit different. Are you guys then kind of carrying that mid zone and then maybe a little bit of RPO action still, you know, using some of the jet motion? Is that something you guys have dabbled in? Or is that something that you guys are like, you know what? we're still pretty firm in, in what we are. We'll stick to kind of the, the wide zone and, you know, our, our keeper and naked game. Um, that's a great question. Yeah. We have been pretty firm in being more of an under center team as far as run game. And, uh, but I will say that we have studied and, and, and looked at more gun stuff this year and we, we probably will mix some more gun stuff. Uh, not, not even just 11 personnel, but you know, whether it's, uh, 12 personnel with, you know, like a, our tight ends who serve as the fullback in the backfield with them and, and run a lot of the same runs, you know, wide zones with sifts blocks or cutoffs on the backside, whatever it may be. And then some 
some gap scheme, some insert type schemes. If we can get uh, uh, tight ends in the backfield, inserting, but but we we are going to be so like like if we were ever to run a wide zone from the gun to the open edge, okay. Um, where I told you on our kind of mid zone, we call it all wide zone, so I don't want to confuse you here, but, but on our kind of mid zone course, the tackle would kick out, we'd be on a chip single to the play side. Um, if we're going to run to an open edge uh, from the gun on a wide zone scheme, we would only run to the bubble because we want to ensure that we have a double to that open edge. Mm. Okay, and so if we had a three technique, again, it's criteria. It's not running into looks that we're not going to be real happy with the matchups or the angles. Um, and so we'd be real specific about that criteria. Um, can we run a true eight, nine hole to a tight end, you know, open to a tight end side, a closed edge? Absolutely, we could do that. But again, what's, what's the block with the tight end? Um, do we need help there? Do we need to alleviate some of that stress? Um, you know, so just, just kind of week to week, kind of figuring out what, what fits best. Uh, but when we run the wide zone from the gun, you know, we want our backs turning their shoulders and sprinting very much like what you saw from like Brita and Mostert and those guys at San Francisco. If you've seen some of their gun wide zone, you know, they, they had some nice hits this year um, that, that, that we enjoyed watching, you know, as being kind of another zone team like, like, like the Niners are, you know, from the Shanahan tree. Coach, I, I also think, you know, the, the wide zone with the, the fullback or the extra tight end with hand ceiling away from the play. Uh, so it's like split, split wide zone um, is really, really interesting. Uh, or even the, the split insert on the backside. Um, do you guys do you get into much of that? If so, how do you guys think about that game plan wise? Because um, you know, just honestly, for me, it it kind of scares me not to have him go with the front side on that wide zone stuff. What what kind of brings you guys into wanting to work him away from from the play or or inserting him on the backside linebacker? Yeah, so. Um... You know, if you have a, if you're in a split flow type scheme, you know, we would love that split flow run where you're talking, okay, you know, say we're in a strong alignment with the fullback, right, or a king or strong alignment, right, and we're running the weak side, weak side zone, right, whether it's inside zone or outside zone, but we're running a weak side, inside zone generally for us if we're doing the split flow kind of insert with, with our fullback. Um, because we're pushing, we're pushing it to that will linebacker, right? There's no, there's no lead blocker for that. It's not a weak side lead ISO, right? And so we're pushing our linemen. We're trying to push those combinations. And so we know this ball is going to cut back to the insert block on that backside backer. So what do we really want? We want a backer force team, right? So we want someone who's got that Sam sitting on the ball. And if we could get a Sam and a five technique over there, where we've got our tight end and our tackle getting nice, nice easy cutoffs right there. We're going to have a huge hole once we push all the rest of those combinations and kick it all out for that cutback right there. And we tell that insert player from a tight end standpoint, you, you, you know, always as a fullback, enter like the runner. We always say that, right? Enter the first available gap just like you would if you had the ball in your hands. 
Okay, but when you meet that guy, you take him at whatever angle you find him, and usually once you make contact, that backs right off your heels and, and he's gone. So um, those would be kind of real, that's the look we would love to see, you know, as a backer force where we don't have to deal with another backer off the line of scrimmage, and now we're having to like combination between the tackle and tight end. You know, that's pretty specific for us to be a backer force. And if we could get the five and the nine on the backside, that would be beautiful. Coach, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the, the one question I had once I knew you were coming on. How do you block Aaron Donald? Uh, you don't. You don't. <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, I've been I, – like I was in Dallas when we had DeMarcus Ware in his prime and all these guys, you know, they're just such great players. But uh, I don't know if I've ever been a part of uh, a practice where – you know, Sean will maybe have his eyes, you know, we're practicing against each other. And Sean will kind of have his eyes on the on the quarterback's read or the coverage, you know, and something will happen in the backfield. And he'll kind of look at Aaron Cromer and say, say, uh, Crom, uh, you know, what what happened? Uh, was it Aaron? And, you know, Aaron Donald. And Crom <laughs> will look at him and say, yeah. And he'll say, okay. You know, and we just move on. Move on. You know what I mean? It's just this is going to happen. With a guy like this, uh, he he really is he really is something special, and uh, I'm glad he's on our team. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, Coach, we sp you know uh, you spent an hour with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we cut you loose, kind of the thing. Last question I was like to ask guys is is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Hmm, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, it's a, I think it just depends. But like you guys, like like you, Rowdy, coaching line and having played line. I mean, I, th I think there's an appreciation when you see uh, when you see footwork, when you see hands. You know, when you see guys playing with length. Number one, um, uh, when you see the angles that guys are able to, you know. Uh, strike at you know how they're striking at angles how they're striking with their back knee or where whatever it may be like we're on the wide zone you know our big coaching point on the play side is get your back knee down you know we're trying to create power and force over that back hip you know and fit and run and ride and we know a landmark you know and we know that everyone knows that landmark so whatever that back's landmark is if we say it's outside leg of the tackle if your defender no matter who you are on the whole blocking surface, gets outside that landmark, torque him out. Torque him out. Okay, if he gets outside the landmark, torque him out. And, and the backs know that, and, and everyone knows that. Everyone on the field knows that. Our receivers know that. Okay, what, what does that do? It, it, it just, it, it allows us to hold these guys accountable for what they're doing, and everyone on the page can see it because we all know this is the back's landmark. This is the intent of the play. Right. And if they get outside of this this point right here on our screens, we have landmarks of where we want the runner to run. Right. So these linemen get out in space. Yeah. You tell them to release flat. Right. That's always a release flat. Just release flat, release flat. OK. But we're telling you, OK, to the boundary of the NFL that this screen is designed to hit up the inside edge of the numbers. OK. So. Once you start coming flat, now I can start working the inside edge. And if he's inside of the numbers I can you know I can log him if he's outside the numbers I can kick him out 
but we know where, where the ball is intended to go. And I think it just really helps everyone kind of be on the same page. And then you can hold runners accountable as well. Say, hey, you need to press that thing outside in one gap at a time, just like you would on a wide zone, you know, our coaching point. But understand, like, this is where everyone's blocking for you. This is the lane, you know. This is where we're trying to keep you. And then you got to be a fo football player. Uh, don't know if I answered your question at all, but uh, just, just kind of went on a tangent there. You did. No, I loved it. I, I got another note down about landmarks for screens. It's something that, that we need to do that we don't do. And we don't get to cut. At least in college, it was go out there, throw, and make the guy go one way or the other. Here in high school, can't cut the second level. So uh, screens get a little difficult for some of my guys. But that's a great, great coaching point I can give them. Well, you, you got to tell those runners, man. You, you got <laughs> to set these guys up. It, it, you know, you got a big guy in space, and you're going to cut up early. There's no way you can make that block, man. You know, you, just, just keep – Keep showing it to them and say, hey, you're going to make more yards here. Just set up the blocks. You know, help these big guys out, man. We can't, can't expect them to, you know, twist in space 180 degrees and make blocks. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.